from the home offices of Ash and Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. So welcome everybody to this new episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast, where today it's it's just me, uh, it's just myself, Ash can't be here today. We are still struggling with schedules a little bit in these weeks before essentially the end of the year, right? And you could probably tell because this episode is not dropping on a Friday, but middle of the week, apologies for that, for making you wait, Mike continue to be off the usual schedule just a little bit, probably for the next two or three weeks, but then we'll return to things as normal. Speaking of returning to things, I thought I'd take you back to our recent conversation with Rattleback's Jason Maliki, just a little bit, who spoke to us about problem ownership strategies, primarily in thought leadership, but also in marketing in a bit broader sense. So this idea that the, the practice or the firm that your market should own a very specific problem. So it becomes synonymous to the solution to that problem so that people who encounter that problem in their business, of course, obviously think of you and your firm first, right? When they start searching for a solution. Jason, like I said, spoke to us about these strategies in the context of thought leadership programs. But Ash and I then, after turning off the microphone, had a discussion about how that is a super essential to all kinds of consultancy marketing and be a cool thing you can do on all kinds of levels of marketing execution, right? Whether it's for the positioning of the entire firm or if it is for a thought leadership program, all the way down to the very tactical, for example, building websites for a specific service, which, sorry for the long intro, but that's what I wanted to talk about today. I thought I'd go back, revisit the problem ownership strategy and walk you through how you can turn that into sort of a guiding principle or a framework for building, actually converting service landing pages. So the, the idea, by the way, of a service landing page being you, you have the firm's overall homepage, right? Then you have some logic of these are the industries we serve, the, uh, maybe these are the practice areas or the functional client areas we cover. And then inside those, you might have a specific service, which which that's the idea, right? That is what we talk about here. The it's essentially like a landing page for a specific service offering. Before we get into that, though, why should you why should you concern yourselves with those things? Who here sells consulting services through a website? Is that even real? That's actually a question I get a lot. And the answer is, of course, it depends, right? It depends in great deal to, on your go-to-market strategy. If your firm is fundamentally not set up to sell services online, of course, you'll have a hard time, right? <laughs> Being successful with such a strategy. The problem you have there is that, yes, there are ever more players selling services this way, right? Educating people in awareness channels online, like social media, pulling them onto landing pages and then converting them into meetings. It's actually a well-established practice. And it's also very, very efficient in terms of just the cost, right? You incur as a firm throughout your sales process. It might be technically true for your firm that it's not working for you yet. It does work for a lot of companies out there and it's bloody cost efficient. So you should probably look into it is my reasonable one, right? Why we should think about better service pages. Um, 
Second point is that even if your sales process is not built that way, and I think we've referred to this in previous episodes as the single website funnel, right? Where the idea is that every net new client has to come to you through an online gateway because that creates digital data and allows you to track the success of marketing initiatives. But shelf that, right? Even if that's not how you eventually sell, you still should have a high quality service landing page because so many people will look at it during the hiring process. So even if you win most of your business through referrals or by being invited to RFP processes and then bidding, right, all that stuff, there is, there's a bunch of studies out, and I'll link those in the show notes, that essentially say buyers will always look at your website, right? 80% of buyers do that of professional services, round about that number, to learn about you, to vet you, to confirm the things you said in your proposal, all these types of things. So eight or nine out of 10 will, will go to the pages. That's one thing. And the second thing is the keep coming back to it. There's an interesting Gartner survey in that as well. They keep coming back to your sites as they progress through the buying journey, right? That's something people forget. So B2B service buyers use your website for problem identification, right? They come back to explore solutions. They come back when they are deciding to move ahead and building requirements for specific you know, tenders, for example. They come back for vendor selection, obviously, and for validating and vetting. They also come back for consensus building. So my point is a service page can do a lot of work in your sales process, even if you think that sales process is primarily offline. That's the idea. And then a last sort of factual nugget to give you there is that something many consultants firms, many consultancies speak to tend to underestimate the importance of their websites, also from a negative point of view, right? Which is the following. And I found that in surveys from the Hinge Research Institute, which they drive these big surveys around how buyers buy professional services. They have a stat that says 50% of clients, right? So one in two clients has previously disqualified a firm from their selection process because of that firm's website, right? That's it, right? There's plenty of reasons for why you should be building better service pages and emphasis here is on better because the reality of this industry we're in it's just that most consultancy websites are sort of stink, specifically the service ones. Because many firms put a lot of effort in the overview pages, in the places where the thought leadership goes, in the about us pages, the hiring pages, and so forth. And then to this day, still many service pages exist where it's just focused on inside out perspective, me, me, me messaging that's almost exclusively targeting the solution of the service being offered, right? It's like a fact sheet. Maybe with some of the benefits sprinkled throughout, but that's it. Um, and also often what I find not the greatest copywriting, but that's not something we'll touch, right? So the idea is these service pages you find in the wild, they lead with the service provided. And that, you can probably guess it, I guess it from the intro, is not how you should do it. Right. Which, by the way, <laughs> sorry to make that point, but that's also why the argument feeds itself, right? Firms I speak to tell me that they have never sold anything or gotten any meeting or brought in any leads through the website for a particular service. And then I look at the website for that service and I immediately understand why that's the case, right? It's the bad website that triggers the result. It's not the result should be the excuse for why your website's bad. Sorry for that. Where was I? Yes. Most service pages that we have them today stink. 
they're often an afterthought. Sometimes also, that's on the side note, sometimes they even don't exist. Like there, there's a, there might be an overview page where we say, oh, we serve the automotive industry. We do strategy. We do a bit of innovation consulting and we have a huge operations practice. But there's no specific offering which I could buy into, which I would highly recommend you do that, even if the initial offering is just a discovery offering, an initial workshop, whatever, to a specific topic. But Leaving that aside, well, let's say you have a service, let's say you have an offering and you want to build a page that actually converts, right? That actually does something that actually leads people to go through, read through and at the bottom of it, maybe book an initial discovery call or anything. Now, the way to do that, and this is where we get back to the premise of this episode, is to structure the page following a problem ownership strategy, right? And you've probably seen these tips elsewhere. They're rampant, so to speak, in the software as a service world where the entire marketing community there discusses the best structures, best templates all the time. Most of that holds true for consulting firms as well. It's very true. It's just that in the service realm specifically, I think we have three areas we can talk about. We can talk about the client issue as our firm sees it. So what's the problem viewed through the lens of our expertise? That's one. We can talk about the business outcomes we as consultants deliver, right? That's sometimes referred to as the transformation. You're, that's what you're at the end actually selling. And then, of course, we have the, we can talk about the vehicle, right? The consulting process, the solution we sell and so forth to be used to deliver that outcome. So that's a triangle, if you can picture it like that. The trick to build a high converting service page is to make 80, 90% of the content about the first two points in that triangle I just described. So about the problem, First, the outcome you deliver when overcoming this problem, second. And then the technicalities of how you do that, third, it's got to be in there, but we can really, it should be sufficient to tease it a little bit. Making this more practical, if you have to build a service website and you say, okay, let's follow a client issue centric or problem ownership strategy for this one, where do you start? You start obviously with the hero section of the website, and here you should clearly lead with the problem you solve, maybe with some context indicating for whom you're solving it. And this is where I will refer to, and I'll put this in the show notes, to an example website for a second here. By the way, nothing to do with the page, just found it out in the wild and I like it. The strategy consultancy Bain has a PMO service offering, which they call a results delivery office. Smart play already, yeah? gotta give them that. And the landing page for that one is pretty close. There are minor things I might tweak or discuss, but it's pretty close to my go-to best practice example for these types of service pages. Because if you look at that, they actually lead with uh, the client issue by just asking a question, right? If you visit the global page, which I'll link, the lead section, the hero section of the website says, ask the visit the question, how will you structure and enable change in your organization? Which if you think about it, is very much a senior executive problem uh, if I'm in some or any charge of a large corporate initiative, be that, I don't know, strategy initiative, digital transformation, some sort of cargo spinoff it is, you could need a PMO for. So that's a nice way of leading with the problem because I might ask that question, right? And then the next thing, this being Bain, right? They don't spend as much time explaining for who they do it because that's implied by the brand, right? They do it for the Fortune 500 companies. But they then move into the next thing you should be doing, which is position the service by making clear how it's maybe different, maybe special. And if you look at the page, they do this by immediately saying, 
typical or your average PMO does this, does X, right? We do Y. And then they close and say, the result is, in this case, I quote, a higher capacity for change. So just the hero section, right? I have not scrolled down a bit, exemplifies the problem, implies, without giving too much detail, how the service here is different. And they haven't lost a word about how it actually works, right? It just states how it's different. And it gives a business benefit away. And I think that's very powerful. As you then scroll down the page, there's a video which sort of explains, gives the story in longer detail. And then comes a section that is called what to expect. Then there comes a section with impact, where they give business statistics for the projects they've delivered. Then there comes a section that has client results, which these are case studies they linked out to. Then there comes a section that says insights. This is a collection of related thought leadership pieces. And then at the bottom is the typical section with the team members and the ready to talk CTA and some related offerings, which by the way, that is one of the areas I think where they could improve it because just listing team members, I find is not a high converting CTA strategy, but, but that's probably beside the point, right? So maybe to recap, reiterate, if you have service pages that aren't performing well, or as intended might be the case that there's too much inside-out perspective, solution, or vehicle-focused messaging going on, too much meaning you speak, and so forth. Sometimes there's also issues with copywriting, right? In-house, jargony terms, people don't understand these things. But let's leave that aside. So if you're dealing with this, try to restructure the stuff and try to build a higher performing site into a problem-centric approach, right? Problem-centric approach means you lead with the problem the service solves, and imply or explicitly state for whom, you can explicitly state it. You lead to the how and show how that's different, right? You've got to name what's in the box a little bit. If you can, show how it's different. But you don't give any details, right? You don't explain at length how the sausage made this. You just tease it. And then you essentially just hammer home the benefits. Really do outcome-driven messaging here. That's really important. And once you've done that, make sure you have ample proof of success case studies, client quotes, all these things, you know the stuff. And then at the end of it, make sure to offer two calls to action, right? Not one. We want to invite clients to take the actual step to procuring a service. So this could be a CTA around booking a discovery call uh, or having a hiccup for workshop or whatever it is, right? Just be more specific than just adding context. Make it an actual inquiry and then also offer an indirect CTA where you invite clients to learn more about the issues, stay in contact, whatnot. Bane on the example I'll put in the show notes, they do this by offering a related thought leadership, right? The reason we do this is that even if I'm not ready to do the hard conversion to an actual transactional sort of relationship starting offering, still hang around, read their content or build a less transactional relationship over time with them. Typical soft call to action, for example, might be a newsletter if you have a service-specific one or you ask them to follow your LinkedIn page, whatever that is, or provide thought leadership or materials you have. If you have those, that's a good idea. So that's it. That's all I have for today. In a way, again, problem ownership strategy is the winning strategy in all consultancy marketing. Um, don't market your solution, market the issue clients have and do that by leveraging the outcome you'll deliver. That's the secret sauce, right? That's basic principle to go by. And I'll put the Bain page into the show notes so you can have some look at. I might also reference the GTM Partners website because
ones I like that one. And, uh, and uh, it follows the same principles. So you, you could do a comparison and see immediately where the similarities are and why I think these pages might be successful. That's that. That's literally all I have for today. I'm going to stop the recording and I will not wish you a happy weekend now because it's mid of the week and all that. But uh, see you around and, and Ash will be back soon for the next one. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 